On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. And as always, join... You know what? I shouldn't say as always. Most of the time, I am joined <laughs> by the fantastical Stefania from the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness. Steph, after your hiatus, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm sorry. I know it was hard. Uh, it's been hard to book a flu shot. So when I finally got... You know, one for me and my son, who's three, because you can't take them to the local pharmacy. I just had to hop on it. So I appreciate Meg once again doing a stellar job filling in. And now that I'm back, refreshed from my flu shot, um, <laughs> I'm ready to roll. How are Excellent. you doing? I'm good. Good. And Meg attempted a good job. She did a good <laughs> job, but we missed you as always. Uh, big things happening right now uh, at mm -hmm. Bluedor as I speak. Modular housing coming together on site for 18 uh, wow. new units built by the region of York, but we'll be operating that hopefully, fingers crossed, in the spring of 2022. What's happening? You, you've come through the conference smiling. Mm -hmm. You're on the other end. What's new at the Alliance? Yeah. What is new at the Alliance? I think right now we are really looking forward to the throne speech to Parliament sitting on National Housing Day mm -hmm. and seeing what comes out of that. If that was, you know, a specific like choice that they made and and what what we will see from that. So I think we're just working on that right now. Um, and of course, you know, looking to the new year. I can't believe it's already November. It's crazy. Mid-November. It's, it's it's funny you you mentioned the throne speech. I was actually I was talking to our local MP uh, just about a half hour ago, and he he he's like, hey, it'll be interesting to see what comes out. In the, he wasn't mm -hmm. giving anything away, but uh, of course, you know. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, National Housing Day also falls on yeah. uh, Mike Braithwaite's birthday, right? Like it's not <gasps> a coincidence. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I love that. Less exciting was that JFK was shot on the same day, but not the same year. <laughs> Less exciting though. <laughs> oh my let's go with national yeah, housing. Let's we'll go, go with no national housing day. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, <laughs> more appropriate. And, and listen, speaking of surprising and fantastical people, we have a great guest today. You want to hear more about her? 
I am so psyched to hear more about her, yes. Dr. Alina Turner, and she won't unless you call her doctor. She won't even answer you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She's not like that at all. 100%. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. (laughs) We have Dr. Alina Turner with us, who's the co-founder of HelpSeeker, a social enterprise focused on scaling systems, innovation to accelerate social change across Canada. She is a researcher and entrepreneur. Alina has led the implementation of Canada's first homelessness management information system and designed Calgary's Housing First System of Care. She is a fellow at the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. And what is Health Seeker? You, you might ask, well, she's going to tell us more about that, so you'll have to wait. But here's the Coles Notes version. Health Seeker uses machine learning, ooh, machines, uh, data science, and social innovation to help people ac- access services that improve their lives. Health Seeker is also a partner of the Systems Planning Collective alongside the Canadian Observatory on Homelessness and Away Home Canada. Alina, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, and uh, nice to uh, nice to meet you, Stefania. I think we've ran in different circles at some point, probably in the same circle, but we just probably never got to meet each other in person because of, you know, this whole thing. Yeah. Pandemic thing. It's so also what happens when uh, you run in circles, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Michael. I'm on fire today with dad jokes. (laughs) Listen, we have a a new question. We're fairly new that we've been asking the past couple of months to guests and getting various different answers, different themes. But we wanted to ask you, what does home mean to you? You know, um, you know, that doctor thing that you're making me making fun (laughs) of me about about the meaning of home in ethnocultural communities and how varied um, that concept is in terms of you know the cultural meanings and the symbolics of meaning the power relationships etc so um, I'm just going to answer it as a mom (laughs) as a mom that is in a home it's a sense of belonging it's safety it's um, you know it's it's where the heart is and all those cheesy things Um, but it's it's also a you know, it's also, unfortunately, for better or worse, where wealth is um, to in, in the Canadian context. So it's also where my life savings are. <laughs> so it's a physical representation of, um, of hard work. But, uh, but it's obviously much more than that, because it's where it's where I, I uh, you know, I have my kid and I'm raising my kid in, in this thing and he's highly attached to it. So every time Travis and I ever even mention potentially changing something, he's like, no, we're never leaving here. And this is my home. And so it's it's also the root. The rootedness is important. And that does kind of bring me back to those cultural meanings of home. And from a anthropological perspective, you know, when you study this stuff across cultures and across histories, there's, there are some common elements to it and rootedness, you know, comes to mind for, for me and being a first, like the first generation in Canada. So I I moved to Canada when I was younger, like we don't have those roots here versus um, back home. It's, you know, your home is like still over there in, in some way. So I don't think home is, you know, just one, one thing. And, and I'm sure there's there's other folks who would probably agree with that that it's um, a network a networks of ideas and emotions and people more so than a one specific place. Uh, now, of course, those are easier said than 
than done things when when you've when you've got them. So I know we're gonna get into that as well. Yeah, that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, I love that. Um, and you know, while, while many folks might be familiar with yourself and Help Seeker, for those who might not be, for the listeners who are not super in the know, uh, I hope you might you might expand a little bit on both. Sure. So uh, Help Seeker is something I started with Travis, partner in child rearing. <laughs> So, so my, my husband and we've been together since like we were 16 and, uh, you know, since we did everything else in life, we said, Hey, why not put our relationship through a startup during a pandemic? So I think we got asked the other day, like to explain some, something about a help seeker and Trout's like, you know, it's, it's our second child in some ways it's, it's a startup, a technology uh, B Corp, which is a social enterprise that looks at solving complex social challenges, leveraging things like data science, things like machine learning, things like uh, software, but also looking at technology as much more than kind of the Western concept of technology. So, for instance, indigenous ways of knowing. And, and when we talk about what technology is, it's uh, the application of knowledge to solve challenges. So we definitely don't just do the more traditional technology uh, work, but that's definitely part of part of what we certainly do. So we we build solutions for for systems change to get scaled in an agile way, and and we do so with communities across the country and and in in ways that leverage uh, kind of the acupuncture, if you will, of of systems change, so that we can actually apply pressure to the to the right levels at the right time to to make things happen. So one of the things that, that people are probably most familiar with is our work with um, developing a system navigation app to help people that might be trying to navigate the system to have access to the social safety net in a digital format. And essentially the experience that we're trying to bring it down to is you know, to have it as streamlined as calling an Uber or to have it as streamlined as, as uh, ordering food on DoorDash or, or skip the dishes, but with the social safety net instead. Now to do that, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. And the first one is that we actually don't have a systems map of the social safety net in Canada. And that's what we've been busy with in the last couple of years. So we started this three years ago with a kernel of an idea. We pulled poor Reese's $10,000 savings account because that was like his university thing. And we pulled that 10K and we built like the prototype of the app. And it was honestly a piece of shit, but whatever, it was making the point <laughs> that we needed this. And from there, it's it kind of grew. So even though, you know, it wasn't that great, there was still this huge need. So it kind of hopped from Medicine Hat is where we started it because I had a long standing relationship with Medicine Hat. And if you Google my academic stuff, that's kind of, a lot of it comes out of that work in that community started it there and it kind of took off in other communities. And then we're like, Hey, I think there's something here, but what the other piece that we found is like, okay, not only did I think this, you know, the quote system is fucked up. Like it was way more fucked up than we initially thought. So, um, the fragmentation, we had no idea. Like we, we were thinking maybe there's a couple of thousand services, you know, can't be that hard. Um, it's like we're at 300,000 in Canada and counting. So, and we're just starting in Quebec. We just started Quebec 
I think last month. So um, it's probably going to be way higher than that. And all different ways of talking about it, no common lexicon, no common ontology or taxonomy for it. Um, lots of work to do to get the kind of the system architecture defined. But, you know, you don't know this until you start getting deep into the, the fragmentation when you try to put it back together in a holistic person-centered way. So we're definitely just at the beginning of, of this journey. Yeah. And, you know, quite often we hear about systems change in the battle to end homelessness. And I'm just wondering, can you give us your thoughts on what systems change is and what role it plays? Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's important to talk a little about a bit of about the basics of systems analysis and network analysis, um, chaos complexity theory. Like these are not terms that we should throw around. Like they're all, they're very loaded, um, you know, theories that come with a lot of, you know, Western baggage along the way. So, I mean, to me, what systems change is in terms of a framework is this concept that, you know, the sum of the parts is greater than the actual parts, you know, the, in and of themselves and the equation that is often used is to say one plus one not equal right um or equals three right sometimes they say that or not equals two so that's one of the equations where they try to explain the concept of network effects and or emergence in terms of systems so this idea that you know the when you have two actors in a network, their interaction brings value that is greater than those two components. So to your question around homelessness, homelessness is a, is a negative network effect. And so we need to understand what, what the components are, those basic elements of this network that is nested. So there's different layers of, of systems. And so when you think about challenging homelessness, you need to be working and finding those key pain points and we you know oftentimes acupuncture is used as a really good analogy because it it tells you a little bit about the human organism and how everything is interconnected so you you know it's got organs but they make up all together these these cells they create a functioning thing called the human body and so knowing where to hit within this organism to get that that network effect that enhances well the well-being of the organism is kind of what, what we're trying to achieve when we say systems change. Like that's what that's what the baggage is that we're bringing to it. So when you think about interventions in in the homeless serving um, kind of node, when we forget that homelessness is a is an effect of this greater network um, of relationships and and things and people, ideas, etc. And these and you need to understand what those connections are to actually make sure you're hitting the right thing. And I always critique, um, you know, siloed approaches to the issue because to me it's all to do with this holistic approach that we need to take. And the minute that we say we're only going to talk about homelessness and we're not going to talk about poverty, we're not going to talk about, um, you know, systemic racism, we're not going to talk about, you know, these other aspects of well-being. That's kind of when we reproduce you know, these systems inadvertently. So I always think about addressing homelessness as, um, as one of the, the kind of leverage points we might have, but we can't look at it in and of itself. So we, we need to understand it in this nested environment for sure. Sorry, that was like, but you asked. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Well, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we quite often in social services work in silos and even outside of that. And if we actually, and a lot of these things cross over each other. And if we, we uh, continue to work in our silos, we're not going to move forward anytime quick. Now, listen, you do not have a pocket protector, uh, nor do you have a big uh, chunk of tape around your glasses. In fact, you're not even wearing glasses. I am. But let's talk <laughs> about IT. Um, you know, when you think of homelessness, Usually you don't think of uh, IT being um, part of solving the issue, but it is. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about how IT fits into the equation? Yeah, so information and technologies are obviously, they permeate every single aspect of our lives. And that includes everybody that's experiencing some kind of vulnerability to, to this node of activity we call homelessness. So you know, oftentimes we get, we always get challenged to say, well, homeless people don't have technology. And I'm always like, have you like not looked around your city hall? <laughs> like where are the clusters of, you know, uh, or around your library? And do you ever notice that there's folks there that are trying to get the free Wi-Fi? So the, the studies we always reference are um, showing that sometimes people that are experiencing homelessness are even more connected than others because it's a lifeline. And uh, one study that talked about this among youth populations in particular talked about, um, you know, that I'm, I'm uh, homeless, not phoneless. <laughs> like lots of people have technology and because of the recycling of technology out, you can, you can have access to older, older uh, devices that you can, you know, obviously tap into free Wi-Fi to to get access to. Now, that doesn't mean that they have like the newest, greatest uh, iPhone with a plan, but therefore your technology solutions need to be kind of right sized for for the types of access to tech that they uh, folks might have. From a system planning perspective, having the ability to connect all these components, like we were talking about before. So if we think of everybody in the in the network of services needing to be connected, do we have those common uh, unifying technologies that are enabling us to, to share data, respecting privacy, respecting sovereignty um, of the individual and the community in, in the case of, of indigenous communities to move the system forward as a network instead of a bunch of silos. So that's the stuff that we're building right now is to say, okay, cool, we've mapped the system, we're letting people connect to services. They're telling us that's cool. That actually didn't solve my problem because the services that you're advertising to me, Help Seeker, are not what I'm looking for. I'm like, holy shit, if 300,000 services are like not hitting it for you, like what are we missing, right? And we don't know that until of course, you need to map it, you need to analyze it, you need to see the number one thing every across Canada always asks for is housing, 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 housing. So um, and during the pandemic, food became the number one thing in the middle there for a bit, but now it's back to housing. 
And then the second thing is mental health and addictions and safety. So those are kind of the, the common pieces. But from there, when people peruse the menu, if you will, imagine being going on skip the dishes and seeing like, holy shit, like there's like every kind of cuisine there is out there. But making the call and not getting the food or not even getting acknowledgement that your call was received. Like there's, there's a major disconnect right now because of this. And I, I'm postulating that technology could fix this because it's fixed it in many, many other industries. So I, I don't see why in a sector where we're so committed to um, the greater good and, and to our participants and our, our members of the network, why we wouldn't be able to, to fix this when, you know, restaurants fix it. So, um, so I'm really hoping that with building the, the technology stack and, and solving some of these security data security challenges on sharing information across systems, um, that we can make it, you know, and I always say like social safety net, social safety net, I always talk about that. Um, but it's, it's actually more of a social safety network that we're trying to build and having that unifying technology to enable the network to to function in a efficient manner i'm i'm hoping that is part of this it's not everything that needs to happen but it's definitely something that's sorely missing no matter if you talk to somebody in like on the mental health side or on the housing and homelessness side or uh, community safety or you know you you name it it's the same problem in every silo so that's why I always say, like, we can't just talk about homelessness. We, it's a deeper systemic failure, and we're never going to solve it if if we just stop there. We need to be think couching it into this bigger bigger discussion to make sure we we actually hit the root causes of it. Um, but we're not everything, right? Like, we're just one of the technology kind of enablers in this. It's going to take a whole lot more to to make this happen. Well, this is is extremely, extremely complex, difficult. You talk about hundreds of thousands of social social services being out there trying to create this net, weave technology into it. It's ever changing. Uh, and with that in mind, I'm sure there's been a few challenges along the way in getting this going. Can you talk about some of the bigger ones that you've had to overcome or still working on? Oh, my goodness. Well, the, the um, and I actually think it's, you know, Tim, Tim and I would always joke when we were implementing HMIS like, the homeless management information system in Calgary that the privacy was like the least of our concerns <laughs> because there were so many other culture change problems that, that we had to get over. But um, I think with this, um, the good news is the the security stuff is like foundational to it. And even though it's a really tough nut to crack, like we've got, you know, like dozens of people working on this right now to figure it out because it hasn't been done before. Um, but I think that's kind of the, the major, major challenge right now is like, it's actually way easier to, well, it was relatively straightforward to implement the homeless management information system in Calgary. When I think about it, like it really wasn't that sophisticated. Um, it's when you're looking at all systems with thousands of funders and 300,000 services, like with everybody wanting different things from it to, to find a way forward that puts the end user, um, or that's like tech speak, but essentially the, the network, uh, the recipient of supports or the help seeker. And in some cases, they're not even a participant yet. 
if you put that person in the driver's seat around their data and security, that changes the narrative as well, because suddenly um, the way you're, you're sequencing um, the components of the system to build off of each other needs to be rethought because if you're using the, the person-centered approach, then it kind of challenges how we do things like intake. Even the concept of coordinated access needs to be you know, disrupted uh, if from that perspective because that is a system intervention, not a person inter intervention. That's not how people find help. So how do you actually make a, a network effect happen to enhance access and, and triage, but doing that in a distributed ecosystem rather than a, you can't centralize your way out of it is the, is the point. You can centralize pockets of it, but then you're getting the problem that we're seeing right now, which is that every community has, you know, five, six different complex needs tables uh, operating simultaneously on top of each other. And so again, you, we've now created this uh, intermediary of bureaucracy in, in the middle that is, um, you know, arguably creating even more barriers to to access in in some some communities. Not saying it's it's not needed. I, I was a huge advocate, and I'm still a huge advocate for coordination of access. And but it, to me, it's about democratizing that and transparency rather than creating um, another safety valve. Because again, it's to me, it's still missing the bigger picture. Um, it's part of it's part of it. It's maybe it's part of the trajectory and learning that we have to do to figure this out. But when you're in a community and you're like, oh, this is like the fifth coordinated access table I've been to this week. <laughs> and we're still talking about the same clients. And I mean, there was one, one piece that I wrote a couple of years ago that had more coordinated access type tables than they had clients they were talking about. So that to me is like missing, missing the point completely. Now, is it the implementation? I don't, I don't really give a fuck where it's gone wrong. It's, it's not it and so the minute we think we have it and i know that's one of your probably one of your questions the minute we think we have it is like that's when we don't really don't have it <laughs> because um because that means we're not we're not seeing the complexity anymore and um yeah yeah sorry Go on. <laughs> no, that's great. And well, you know what? Actually, I was gonna, um, I guess, shift gears a little bit and kind of bring it back to Helpseeker itself. Um, and you know, we've all seen how rapidly it's grown over the past couple of years. I know my colleagues and I are always on your site, just amazed, especially around uh, as we're learning um, how we can better implement, you know, our commitments to reconciliation, decolonization, just to name a few. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about Help Seekers Growth, what you're working on and what you have, you know, what's uh, you've set your sights on in the future? Yeah, I mean, the big thing that we're working on right now is this um, is to enable um, referrals in the network. So to actually not just show people what's out there, but actually to um, onboard early adopter uh, service providers that are looking to shift how they do intake, for instance, and how they do um, assessment into, into a more democratized, transparent way so that we can use the system to, to actually connect people into service, not just, you know, it's like, again, I'll use the skip the dishes analogy because people will be like super familiar with it. But um, you look at them, you find the cuisine that you're looking for, you find the restaurant, it's got good ratings, and now you want to put in your food order. So we're at the part right now where we're, we're building the putting in your food order part. <laughs> so that means 
you know, that means that there's somebody on the other side that's waiting for the order, that's able to confirm the order. Uh, yeah, you're eligible. Um, yes, this is a good fit. And here's the next steps and what to expect in your in your journey um, with us. So that is uh, the big next uh, sprint for us in terms of product roadmap. That's yeah, that's really exciting. And I, I, I love the analogy, but I can only imagine how much more work is really behind that to get that up off the ground and like flying across like, you know, all the folks and organizations that you mentioned earlier are part of the app. So I don't know, just super exciting to watch where this goes, because I think, you know, technology ending homelessness, you know, as we've been saying, aren't always something that we see intermingling. So I really feel like you folks are kind of at the forefront and sort of leading the way and, and, and finding out like what, what the possibilities are. So I just think that's super exciting. And having said all that, you know, where can folks go to learn more uh, information or seek out Help Seeker? Yeah, for sure. So um, just for what we're up to and kind of watching the journey on, on this next phase, the helpseeker.co site, that's like where we keep all our like company news and the team and what we're working on. And then for folks that are needing help or needing to, you know, peruse these 300,000 supports out there just go to helpseeker.org um, it's free it's anonymous it's uh, brought to you by government of canada canada mortgage and housing company so it's definitely part of that bigger play in terms of housing affordability and um, addressing homelessness as part of a, a broader understanding of the social safety net and where housing fits within that and where ending homelessness fits within this bigger um, discussion around social supports and and building a kind of a, a strong ecosystem. So um, that would be where people could find us. Um, we're also on like Twitter and LinkedIn and like apparently TikTok. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so, yeah, not my generation, but um, I guess it's some people's thing. So <laughs> it's a rabbit hole if you if you actually go in there. I might wow. not come out of. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, Dr. Turner, uh, as you like to be called, uh, thank you so much for making uh, time out of your rounds um, to join us on the podcast today. Uh, I, the only bigger and bigger things I'm sure are to come from HelpSeeker. As a service provider myself, I'm looking forward to uh, HelpSeeker coming into York region. Uh, and you're absolutely right. We, we need that. We need someone because uh, so many organizations on the front line are just doing the day in, day out trying to house people into that, that they can't pull this all together. So we're, we're very appreciative of you and your team and the work you're doing is very much needed. I'm excited to see what uh, happens uh, in the future. Despite the challenges that are uh, before you, I have no doubt that uh, you are gonna rise above. We're gonna see great things. Thanks for joining us. You got it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, Steph, you know, sometimes doctors can be intimidated, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm Dr. Turner had a, a pretty good, um, you know, manner. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, all kidding aside, yeah, we are working with uh, uh, Alina right now and, and the team trying to um, bring Help Seeker into York Region because we, uh, I, I and Blue Door and a lot of the organizations there need that help and, and see the need uh, for systems. Uh, uh, well, maybe we'll have we'll have Blue Door as like our first, like York specific entity that's like receiving 
stuff from the the youth that would be fun do you have like youth that will like just tell us like i hate this i hate that like super like you know like that's like everything pretty much pretty much all of them yeah perfect perfect that's like that's like the greatest strength (laughs) it's like it's called ux uh like ux research and it's like when uh, you put something in front of somebody and they're like this is a piece of shit this doesn't make sense this is stupid what is this and uh like that's what makes it better because like every time you go through a cycle like that is like that's how you learn so um, i think what you're referring to is brutal honesty and i remember when i was at 360 kids and we we got these i tell you about brutal honesty from these kids we got all these donations from whole foods and so they're drinking like you know hand uh, made grass and milk from cows that were only you know sun three hours a day um And it was like nine dollars. They're like, "What is this crap? It's just like shit." Do you have any regular milk back there? So yeah, brutal honesty. I think you'll get that. That's and I the can one. That's it. the one. That's it's universal. What we need. Yeah, you don't. You don't need politeness. <laughs> We're too busy to be polite. Exactly. Get to the point. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Any uh, any time, I would love to get into it, Michael. So. Perfect. Yeah, and St- Stefania, let me know if there's anything like you guys. I, I always like tell told Tim like when we started this like three years ago. I'm like, hey, we should do something together. And I demoed it like a billion times, but I don't know. I think it's just maybe you guys are too too busy with your own stuff. But would love to yeah. start. With you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it would be really cool. I really think connections are important. Uh, you know, so I think yeah, anytime. I but yes, we are we are. <laughs> Uh, we've got a lot going on, <laughs> to put it mildly. But it's funny when you guys were talking about youth, it made me think of this like John Lithgow quote when he was saying, you know, the difference between performing to an adult audi- live audience mm. is even if you're bombing, they're very polite. You know, they still they sit and they they sit through it. Whereas if you're bombing in front of kids, they riot. And so yeah. I always <laughs> think of that um, analogy so when dealing with youth. Um, and I and I do think that's that would lead to faster changes <laughs> for the best. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, we gotta we could talk forever. We gotta wrap this up. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Another great episode of On the Way Home. We will see you next time. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.